Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. As we welcome you along to the programme, anything you want to share with us, we would love to hear from you. And if you're out buying newspapers today, all of them have front page photographs of Shane McGowan. All of them bar one, I think, uh, because the Independent is the only one that goes with a colour photograph. All the rest have great very large black and white photographs of uh, Shane McGowan and of course we were on air yesterday uh, when the news broke that Shane had passed away yesterday at the age of uh, 65. He would have been 66 on Christmas Day so just shy of his 66th birthday. He had been receiving treatment in St Vincent's Hospital in Dublin for the last several months for I think I remember reading it was was a brain infection uh, that he had but he was discharged from hospital on Wednesday of last week and he got to return home and to spend time particularly with his wife Victoria Mary Clark and I think it was very much now looks like he went home in order to die and he got the opportunity to meet a lot of friends uh, came to visit him a lot of um, people in the music world came to visit him uh, over the last week and, and particularly over the last uh, number of weeks so it looks like he got to say his goodbyes to a lot of people but the news was originally broken yesterday in a statement from from the Pogues on behalf of Shane's wife, uh, Victoria Mary uh, Clark, along with Shane's sister, Siobhan. And of course, his father, Morris, is still alive. And that's where they announced that Shane had passed away peacefully at 3am in the morning uh, with his wife, Victoria, and the family by his side. And actually, that initial announcement said prayers and the last rites were read, which gave comfort uh, to his family. Now, one of the first out to pay tribute was our own president, Michael D. Higgins. He said, Shane will be remembered as one of music's greatest lyricists. So many of his songs would have been perfectly crafted poems, but the president said it would it would have deprived us of, of, the, of the opportunity to hear them sing them if he decided to go down the poetry route rather than down the song route. But it was Victoria Mary Clark, his wife. It was her post on Instagram yesterday yesterday morning, I just think, summed up the love uh, between those two people. And it is his wife um, and along with his dad and his sister, of course, who will miss him the most. But she wrote on her Instagram post yesterday, I don't know how to say this, 
So I'm just going to say it. Shane, who was who will always be the light that I hold before me and the measure of my dreams and the love of my life and the most beautiful soul and beautiful angel and the sun and the moon and the start and end of everything that I hold dear has gone to be with Jesus and Mary and his beautiful mother, Teresa. I am blessed beyond words to have met him, to have loved him and to have been so endlessly and unconditionally loved by him. And I've had so many years of life and love and joy and fun and laughter and so many adventures. There's no way to describe the loss that I am feeling and the longing for just one more of his smiles that lit up my world. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your presence in this world. You made it so very bright and you gave so much joy to so many people with your heart and soul and your music. Uh, you will live in my heart forever. Uh, God help her. Her grief just bursting through, I think, that particular uh, statement. And the doll actually yesterday stood for a minute silence um, after one to mark the musician's death and they also of course were marking the recent passing of the former uh, Senate Coherlock uh, Tras uh, Honan but they stood in silence to remember the late great uh, Shane uh, McGowan and of course Shane McGowan while he was born in uh, English in England he would always describe himself as a very proud Tipperary man an Irishman and he very much treasured uh, and his Irish uh, background and it was that love of Ireland that was sprinkled right throughout the lyrics of all of his songs you know themes of emigration and uh, your place in the world were littered through the Prog's uh, greatest uh, songs and his music I think reminded so many Irish immigrants about home and that music of course will uh, live on forever and I was thinking yesterday when the news came through of uh, Shane's uh, death we will remember 2023 because we've lost three of our great when it comes to the music world in this country Christy Dignam was the first to sadly pass away then of course we had the very uh, tragic and sudden death of Sinead O'Connor and now we're finishing up the year with the death of Shane uh, McGowan may he rest in peace 0818 103 103 John Paul taking your cause and from that sad note can I go to a lighter note and just I want to wish Congratulations to a lady from Cork, Breda Morrissey, who yesterday was named the Netwatch Family Carer of uh, the Year. Uh, Breda has been caring for her husband, Timmy, and there's gorgeous photographs of Breda and Timmy in all of the papers uh, today. And I spotted her on the news last night as well, but she's been looking after Timmy since 1999. And it was in 1999, their whole worlds were turned uh, upside down uh, when uh, Timmy had a life-changing car accident and it left him uh, quadriplegic due to severe uh, head injuries. But Breda stepped up and uh, after a period of rehabilitation, brought him home and has been looking after him uh, since she said yesterday she was flabbergasted after she was announced that she'd won the overall award on the day. I've, I've asked John Paul if we can try and track down Breda maybe get her on the programme uh, sometime next week. I'd love to have a chat with her, but just also just to get the opportunity to congratulate her in uh, person and of course, the Family Carer of the Year. It's organised by Family Carers Ireland and we often talk with uh, Catherine Cox who really does advocate so well on behalf of carers and they have these annual awards uh, every year where, you know, one overall winner 
is given that award of Family Carer of the Year but they also have a special award for the Young Carer of the Year and this year's Young Carer of the Year is a girl called Laura Keelan. She's only 12. She's from Dublin and she helps to look after her older sister Janice. Now Janice is actually 30 and she suffers from a rare genetic condition and uh, Laura helps every morning before she goes to school and as soon as she comes home then after it she spends uh, a lot of her time looking after her big sister and there's so many of those young uh, carers that we never get to hear about and you never get to see them and it's only on occasions like that we get to hear their stories because the type of caring that they're doing is done you know behind closed doors in their own uh, homes but they they sacrifice so much as well so congratulations uh, to Brida and to Laura. The Everyman's favourite tradition of family panto returns with Beauty and the Beast and of course the official opening is tomorrow Saturday the 2nd of December and can we wish all of the cast the very very best of luck and to celebrate, the Everyman have teamed up with Leisureplex to give you a fun, festive family day out. Every day this week, today is our final day. You have a chance to win a family pass for four to see Beauty and the Beast at the Everyman. Now, the show we're sending you to is tomorrow week, Saturday the 9th of December. And you'll get a goodie bag on arrival at the theatre, but you'll also get a family pass for four to go bowling at the Leisureplex on McCurtain Street. If you want to buy tickets, by the way, you can go on to Everyman Court dot com for further details. We'll have a question for you later on on the programme. We'll open the text and WhatsApp lines and you'll be in with an opportunity of going into the draw and you and your family, family of four people could be heading to the Everyman Saturday at week to go along and see the wonderful Beauty and the Beast. Now anyone who's ever uploaded a photo to the online passport application portal may know that it can be a testing affair and therefore, you'll have sympathy with the echo columnist, John Arnold, who joins me to fill us in on his experience. Good morning to you, John. Hey, Patricia, how are you? I'm very, I'm very well. Now, I know you're, 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 your plans are and were, to, and you are travelling. It was for this week. But when did you discover that your passport was out of date? There's no one talking stuff that wasn't out of date. Last time I used it was in June when I was and loads with the client pilgrimage and the first time I came home that time I noticed that it could be out of date in I think it was in November last week and of course like everything put it up in the cupboard into the biscuit in and say I got them I must renew that now sometime and then it was only there in October I suppose late October I was looking at possible times of coming over to loads and normally come for a week this time of the year so I suppose about a month ago I decided I better <coughs> get up and renew the passport it was actually in the eighth from my trip over, but, you know, it could be in the eighth from one trip, but not from the southern trip. So I suppose this is the 1st of December. I suppose it's about four or five weeks, so we decided we'd better get a renewal. Yeah, and, we're, and we're, all, we're all told that the quickest way to renew a passport is to do it online. So uh, off you go, you fill in all the boxes, tick everything that needs to be ticked, and then you get to the photo bit. Now talk me through what happened there. Yeah, that's it. Like, so you have the option of downloading a photograph. So <coughs> we had some old photographs, which were sent away for passports years ago, but I suppose so I might be after aging a bit, but your passport <laughs> office wouldn't know that. But anyhow, anyhow, we downloaded one of them, but it was rejected straight away. So then Mary said she'd be ending up with the camera. She took my photograph against a blank wall. They, they tell the kind of what colour wall, a blank wall. Obviously, it's not going to be a colour photograph. And we submitted that one, but they said there was shading and it was rejected straight away. So she 
couldn't win the NSB for the Dangle, and that went into the system and seemed to be accepted. But it was rejected the following day because they said there was shadowing on us. You know, what's the difference between shading and shadowing? is I'm not 100% sure. So that was two efforts. So then <clears throat> I happened to be down in Castle Lines there about a month ago. I was involved in a play, a tiny little part of the play. And John Herdon, the Avenue photographer, was there. And John is a professional photographer. So Great. So he took my photograph against the lovely blank wall there, five or six of them actually, and um, <clears throat> sent them on to me. I was in laugh one of them on the following day, and it was accepted. You get a little green tick saying the photograph is accepted. You're on your way. And then I wouldn't be into technology that much, but a person that would be in can you can follow it in, you can you can watch the you can track it. You can track yeah, it online, yeah, yeah which is great, which is a brilliant it's a brilliant yeah, facility. So, yes. Yeah, so it's been tracked away for three, four, five and it was going through different stages. And then after a week I got back an email saying, Sorry, it was rejected at the last stage. So in other words, there's ninety nine percent there and it was rejected. So then no one said you don't have to go back to the staff just in a different photograph. So I sent a different photograph that was rejected on the spot, which didn't do bad ones rejected the spot. Took another one that was rejected. Took another one then, and it was in the system for two days, and it was rejected because they said this was the same photograph. The computer told me that you sent last Thursday. No, it wasn't actually. I had the same shot done. Right? It was a different photograph. So after that, then we went. I was in Samoy someday, and I went into Welch's pharmacy, and they took again five or six photographs. Said they know how to do them, and gave them to me on a memory stick. Came home, started the procedure again, and the first one was rejected, and the second was rejected. Third one. I think was accepted, yeah. But after a day, that was rejected. And eventually, the fourth one was accepted. And eventually, then the passport came about a week before I was travel. So, in all, I suppose, there were seven different photographs sent in. And I suppose, five different submissions sent in. I feel that as farmers, it's that easy to get a passport for a calf. <laughs> a passport for a calf? Yeah, I can tell you. But a passport for a calf? No, a calf is born, a newborn calf. You put a tag on his ear, you fill in the farm with the number of the tag and the, the number of his mother of the cow, but he tag she had, and you press two buttons and within two days you have the passport back. And, wh- yeah. and when you look when you look at the photograph that was finally, finally accepted of your beautiful image, um, can you see differences between that picture and all the ones that were rejected? You could, if you were, if you were, <coughs> if you were an art expert, you'd say the one that's in the passport now isn't a great image at all. It's kind of grey and grainy, I thought, like. But uh, that's the one that was accepted. Yeah, like, OK, the very first one we sent you might see all over my left ear, there's a small little bit of a shadow, so turning your face a different way. But the vast majority, if you had them there now in front of you, and you said, what's the difference between A, B, C, D, E and F? You would say, no, well, you'd say, right, he's wearing a plaid shirt in one and he's wearing a blue shirt in another. But, I mean, I observed all the rules, you know, you're not supposed to wink, you're not supposed to smile, you're not supposed to look glad, you're not supposed to look sad, you're supposed to have a very, oh, I don't know, just just an anodyne kind of a face. You know, you're not supposed to be expressing any emotion. Yeah. You're not supposed to yeah, have Yeah, you can't smile. Yeah, you can't, you can't yes, smile. You're not supposed to have rings on your nose or piercings on your ear or, or, or you know, if you normally don't wear a beard, you're not supposed to be unshaved. So, I, I was... You know, I kind of obeyed all those rules. So until I was very glad when it came, I, I came to Lourdes last Sunday and the passport had only arrived the Monday before in the post, but it's so far <laughs> After all that surveillance, it's got me. It's it, it got me where I am. So it got, you, it it got you through passport control, which is which is the mo- most important thing. And what's really frustrating is for people who 
discover a little bit like yourself a little bit late that the passport is out of date and if they urgently need to get the passport and I think the yeah, fact and, that that, yeah. that you get the tick saying yeah this picture is okay then it goes into the process but then it's when somebody visually looks at it they decide no that's not acceptable and as you say that can take a week and then you've got to start again and submit another photograph yeah, what, what, what one would imagine or wouldn't you think common sense which isn't that common is that somebody that would look at it visually that that should be step one yeah. that shouldn't go any further yeah, rather than yeah, being yeah, step eight and, and I mean I was looking now I, I was checked the emails but if a person hadn't checked your emails if you hadn't checked your emails for a few days they said everything is banned so we were trackies and they said it was underway and if you hadn't checked your email and then found out sorry, further delays it could cause hassles in like but, uh, and, and I don't know like I suppose the lesson for anybody, uh, lesson that I have learned, but the lesson is like to allow plenty, plenty time when you're renewing it on when you're renewing it online. And obviously, with my casting, it's not you. You'd be saying you can make your full travel arrangements because sometimes when you go to book flight, the first thing they want is your passport number. That's right. So you haven't a get passport. It's like it's like um, which comes first, the inner the egg. You can't book the flight and the passport. You can't get the passport. Uncle, everything is right with the passport office. So it's, uh, it's, uh, like I said, the pattern agriculture, the bovine trees, yeah. so they don't have to, of course, they don't have to photograph the cast as such, like, yeah. <laughs> just their ear tag number and their mother's ear tag number but and I, their breathing. What, I, re- what I, I really yeah. find surprising was when you went into a chemist and paid to have them done, and they know how to yeah. do it. And yet yeah. some of those, was, they, they really were being pernickety about your photograph. You're, you're, not, you're not on a wanted list anywhere, John, are you? And, 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 and the point about it is like the ones I got from the chemist now were absolutely brilliant. And I, I, I'm not sure now, maybe just six of my And if you looked at those six of them, you'd say, what's the difference between I know. any of mm. those six? And you could see absolutely no difference. You couldn't see a difference because they were, I presume they were all just taken so literally in the space of, while I was standing there in front of the white screen in the space of, Forty seconds, and one of them, one would be accepted, and one wasn't. I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's just frustrating. And like I said, we were good. There's someone at home that's you know fairly good into the IT, and she was able to, to manage it for a person that mightn't be that much into the IT. Uh, it can be very frustrating mm. going mm. from one step yeah, to and, they're, and they're encouraging us all to do it online because it's a, fa- <coughs> it's a faster process. You didn't. You're not on the FBI's most wanted list or anything. There's nothing to do with that, no. <laughs> no, and I mean, like, the two most famous people with my name, John Arnold, he was the Archbishop of Canterbury there a few years ago, and yeah. there, was there was another John Arnold, he was amazingly, after my escapades with him, he was the Postmaster General in, 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 in the House of Commons, in the House of Lords, but I think he retired since, but I don't bear any resemblance to any of those two, a mentioned gentlemen, like, and I mean, you're on the other fellow on the wanted list. He'd be the same name. He was a fellow called Benedict Arnold. He was a traitor during the American Civil War, but he's dead over 200 years. So <laughs> it, 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 couldn't, it, it couldn't be him. Or, it couldn't but, be him that after life. The, yeah, good, the, no. good, the good news is you, you've made it to Lourdes. Um, and yeah. I, I was I was reading a piece that you did about Lourdes uh, in the in the Echo. Um, I think it might have been the, the trip last June. You've been to Lourdes over 30 times. Yeah, the strange thing is I was only there once in the first 50 years of my life. My, my 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 late mother and father was was to be going in nineteen sixty two. My father died. He was only forty eight. I don't remember him. I was only four. He died of TB, and he never got to Lord. So then, in the sixties and early seventies, there was five of us in the children, children in the family, and my mother took each of us in, in 
problem, and I went in 1971. But I have only bare enough memories of that. I was 14, that I went to 1971, and I didn't go back amazingly until I was 50 in the year 2007. I suppose the year I was 50, I said a few, few different things, and I went back kind of at the last minute. I went to the client pilgrimage in 2007, and um, since that, I've been back. I suppose over 30 times I come every year with God with the client pilgrimage. We missed a couple of years. And then I started in 2008 coming for a week this time of the year in November, December, when literally there's no one here and the place is quiet and they closed down. I just love, love, love this week of just kind of walking around. <coughs> Jean Kelly had it. Remember Jean Kelly had it? Jean Kelly was in the film Lango singing in the rain and dancing in the rain. But yeah. while I'm doing this week, I was just playing in the rain. Because oh, it's just, wet. I, I love it's, this. It's wet. Yeah, it's wet. It's been wet, yeah, but <clears throat> I got a poncho punch, here Monday, so that's fine. And I have a kind of a routine. There's, I get to mass English mass, and I go to mass in the evening at the Port Clare convent. There's only one Irish nun ever joined the Port Clares, and she died in 2015. She was a native of Mallow, and um, I was at her grave on Tuesday. She promised me, she asked me before I died when I come back every time I come back, you know, when I sing the banks of my own lovely Lee at her grave. And, ah. yeah, so, and, and what was her, what was, what was her name? She was Sister Mary Teresa O'Connor. She was born in June of this year. She'd have been 100 years old if she was alive. And when the Clark and Ross pilgrimage were in Lourdes in September, they put a special plaque on her grave. She'd have been 100 this year, so she died. And she's, she was a native of Mallow? Yeah, she was a native of Mallow, yeah. And she went to live in Cock City. And in the mid-1950s, she came walking over here to Lourdes. She told me she had no intention of ever joining nuns. I think she was supposed in her late 20s. She came walking to Lourdes in a souvenir shop in the mid-50s. And the souvenir shop was on Rue de Grasse, which is literally across the road from the Port Clares. And while she was here, like she said, she didn't come from a religious background, a religious family or anything. And while she was here, she just told me she just got, you often hear this thing called the calling. And she got the calling to join the Port Clares. And she joined the Port Clares. You know, the, Alright, listen uh, John enjoy the rest of your uh, trip to Lourdes and, and good to know you got, You did finally get your passport sorted out Donald and Douglas is listening to you and he said I have two passports one is American and the other one is Irish the American photograph is in colour and the colour one it looks just like me in the Irish one I was told to take off my glasses the photo is practically white and it doesn't look anything like me and that's from Donal in uh, Douglas yeah. okay so he feels your pain as well listen John uh, enjoy the rest of your trip and yeah uh, okay I'm, I'm heading heading back to London this evening there's, um, there's a ceremony in London tomorrow actually with another Mallow connection one of the seven people who founded the GA, a man called John McKay from County Down, he worked with the examiner and he was married to a girl called Ellen Brown from Mallow. He died 100 years ago tomorrow on the 2nd of December 1923 in London and he's buried in Central Green Cemetery 
Good morning, how are you? I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. Have you heard of many cars who've been involved in collisions as a direct result of deer? We have indeed. Uh, between myself and uh, my colleague there, Evelyn O'Keefe in Charleville, we've been getting um, quite a lot of messages with near misses and collisions. Now, we, from what we gather, we, we think there's about 11 cars that actually have been written off as a result of collisions with deers. There's been several more near misses. There have been several more um, actual incidents where cars have been damaged. So the number could be anywhere from 20 to 50, which is an astronomical amount. But you've heard of at least 11 that the cars were written off that badly Indeed, damaged. Yeah, 11 cars seem to have written off. And only last week, two carcasses of deer were found on the side of the motorway. So um, the evidence is clear, unfortunately, that deer are coming in contact with vehicles. Now, is there any signage on the new bypass to warn motorists about deer? Apparently, back in September, they did put up amber warning signs to, to basically illustrate the fact that deer are crossing the road. But since then, there hasn't been. No, I know personally myself along those roads, it's maybe the by roads and stuff like that, I've come across deer. They are everywhere. And the problem is they're so, they're so dark at night that it's almost impossible to see them until you're right upon them. So like, in my estimation, at that kind of speed, which is 100 kilometers an hour, uh, it's a fatality waiting to happen if you hit the wrong one or hit a large one at, at that speed, I think it would be catastrophic. Yeah, and I suppose for, for people not local to the area, they'll be particularly vulnerable because they, not, they, they may not be aware of the, the fact that deer are crossing on the bypass. Absolutely. It's, it's an absolutely valid point because you're traveling on a very good stretch of road. Now you're doing you're probably doing the maximum of 100 kilometers an hour. You're you're in you're in a straight all the way. So you're probably your mind is probably might start to be thinking somewhere else. And all of a sudden you come across this basically an obstacle in the middle of the road that isn't going to move because it's dazzled by the by the lights. Unfortunately, the, the saying goes like like a deer in the headlights. But mm. um, I know from 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 experience, I had a very close call there six months ago with, with a deer as well, that they don't move because they're, they're, they're so scared, I suppose. And it's it's an absolute catastrophe waiting to happen if, if, if unfortunately, like the speeds are, are at 100 kilometers an hour and the deer is of a, a good size. It'd be the same thing as almost hitting a wall. Yeah, actually, I was I was doing some research on this uh, this morning. I, I I don't know if you were aware of this, but if you are driving along a road and uh, a deer, you suddenly come across a deer. The advice actually is you don't swerve. I think your instinct is to swerve, but if you swerve, the deer will swerve with you because they're so dazzled by the headlights. So I mean, the advice is you're meant to slow down and stop, but that's not always possible, as you say, when you're on uh, you know a really good stretch of road like the bypass. You're motoring along at 100 kilometres per hour and suddenly out of nowhere this deer appears. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, I absolutely take your point. It's absolutely valid. I mean, on my own personal experience, uh, I met a deer and I was doing 30 kilometres an hour and 
I had I had a huge problem trying to stop in time, and I literally just got away with with avoiding collision to there. But no, it was a minor road. But at the same time, the point still stands that if you meet a, a deer at 100 kilometers an hour and the night is dark, the de- deers are very hard to spot in the dark. I think it, your your options are very limited at 100 kilometers an hour. For perfectly honest. Now, the Irish Deer Commission say, this is a kind of a reason for it, that the bypass in McCroom was actually built on traditional deer habitat. Yeah, that, I, I, I've read that as well also, and that's absolutely a valid point. But I suppose, unfortunately, no, the, the motorway exists. And the problem is, is to try to, to deflect these deer away from the, the motorway would be the would be the only solution. No, I know from, like, my own, as I say, my own experience and around here locally, um, I'm based in Mill Street and, and Oban, that deer are everywhere. They're, they're coming from the Clarny National Park. They, they're, they're overpopulated, so they're coming across the mountains. So, unfortunately, everywhere in this locality is deer habitat at the moment, you know. And, like, I'd be perfectly honest, I, I love seeing the sight of them. They're a beautiful-looking animal, and I'd hate to see them come in contact with, with cars. But I, for, for the deer or for the passenger, it, it, it's um, it's it's potentially a huge problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know rushing season runs from September to November. Um, no, that's not an exact science. It can start at the end of August and it can go on obviously into December as well. But would, would, you, would you expect to see less of them because we're at the end of the rushing season? Well, from my own personal experience, I've met them all across the year. Um, I've met them in, in spring. I've met them in summer. Okay. I've met them in every part of the, of the year. So, I mean, yes, probably they're, they're probably more they're probably more common now at the moment. But the problem is, you could meet them in the middle of summer as well, and like unfortunately, the the, the catastrophe could be the same. You know, so I, I do think it's a twelve month a year problem. It might be more heightened at the moment, but I think measures have to be taken to to safeguard um, occupants of cars. You know, and and what are you suggesting? Could some barriers be put up to stop them going onto the motorway? Do you think? Well, I I would hope that it would certainly consider it. I mean, a, a good start would be the amber signs at least to give non-locals some sort of a a, a warning that this this potentially could happen. But they, I would hopefully suggest that they would have to try with some sort of barrier system because I mean they can't let it go unchecked. I could be talking to you in twelve months' time, and we could be talking about fatalities here, you know. So I mean, better to to prevent than to cure, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I had some very good friends of mine, sadly. Now they're both um, an elderly couple. They both passed away, but they were in a horrific accident in West Cork and it was a loose horse uh, out on the road that happened to be very dark and it was at night so they didn't see the horse. And it's yeah, horrific injuries and damage. And as you say, it could go as far as uh, death. So pl- people, please be careful when you're out, particularly on the M22 uh, McCroom uh, bypass. But as you say, there, do- there does seem to be an increase in the deer population in the area there is there is there is no doubt about that I've seen deer personally myself in places I've never seen deer in my whole life so look I would advise mortars at this time of year when the nights are dark to at all roads be very very mindful of them because they, they do appear they come across ditches they do tend to stop in the middle of the road wondering what's coming towards them so I would urge everyone just to be that little bit cautious but Look, hopefully, please God, we don't hear of any anyone uh, getting hurt or seriously injured in any accidents. And uh, I would urge the council or the TII, whoever is in charge, to to look at this seriously and 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 take some action. You know. Okay. All right. We leave it there, John. Thank you for that, and thanks for joining us. 
Thank you very much. Uh, good care. morning to you. Bye bye. That is Cork Northwest local election candidate for Sinn Fein, John O'Sullivan, just raising the issue and the dangers of deer crossing on the new uh, bypass. 0818 103 103. Now, I know I see a text come in about the nitrates uh, directive, and I know that the IFA are organising a, a protest. Uh, today, it's going to go through Carrigaline uh, Town. It's heading to the constituency offices of Minister Simon Coveney. Uh, Coveney. Um, and we will, uh, we, we'll speak with somebody from the IFA, but Robert has been on to say it's time as farmers that we went to the government and look for some kind of a scheme and help to incentivise the farmers who are exceeding the 170 kg per hectare limit to reduce cattle numbers on their farm. It's only a matter of a few years before the nitrates derogation is history. Robert says water quality won't improve overnight. And he says, sadly, slurry is being spread day and night with the last three weeks. And that shouldn't be happening, says Robert, because we're right in the middle of the closed season for spreading. Some farmers have no respect for water quality. The European Commission is no fool, says Robert. Are others noticing the spread of slurry? during the closed uh, season. But just to let you know, for anybody with an interest in the nitrates derogation, we will catch up with somebody from the Cork IFA about those um, protests that are on this morning. Oh, I'm just been told it isn't just Minister Simon Coveney's office they're heading for. They're also heading for the office of uh, Minister Michael McGrath. So we will take a look at that in more detail after news at 11. And Martin Infermoy, listening to my chat with John O'Sullivan about the deer crossing, says the deer, it's a bit tongue-in-cheek, the deer are probably rost. They're probably looking for Santa. Uh, slay. Okay, <laughs> that, uh, I, I accept your 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 attempted humour this morning, Martin. But if you come across late at night or early in the morning when it's dark, if you come across a deer in the middle in middle of the road, it really is a scary, scary situation. I get around to uh, calls and comments that have been coming in all morning. But firstly, I just want to go to a protest that has been organised by the Cork IFA. It is a nitrates derogation protest. It kicked off at 11 o'clock through Carrigaline Town heading to the constituency offices of Minister Simon Coveney and uh, Minister Michael McGrath. Cork Central IFA County Chairman is Conor O'Leary and Conor joins me from the protests this morning. Good morning to you, Conor. Good morning, Patricia. Um, Good morning from... Sunny, lovely sunny Carrigaline indeed this morning it is. It's, it's a cold but a sunny one, that's the way, it that's is the way it's a lovely winter's morning. Now roughly how many people have turned up at the protest? Uh, we have a couple of hundred here now at the moment Patricia and we're going to kick off and head down the main street. Okay, what is um, the message you were trying to send to the government today I with suppose, this protest? Yeah, we've come through a huge long chapter here in this nitrates debate um, and some of the county has been put down to a lower limit of nitrates so it means that they have to reduce stock. Um, this is something that has been in play with, uh, with, with some time. It was based on water quality um, and we've got to realise you know, in County Cork our water quality 73% of our rivers are pristine or good and there's only 4% of the Cork rivers are in poor quality and that's the backdrop to this. Now what happened was uh, there was a, a, a regulation brought out uh, in 2001 um, stating that we would have to reduce our stocking rate numbers if, if the water quality didn't improve. Now, we came to the point in 2022 where our water neither improved or disimproved, and we had been on the back of an improving water quality. Um, but it wasn't until July that the EPA came out with the results of that. So that was the first indication that we would risk going to a lower stocking rate. 
Um, and then we got uh, more confirmation when we got our letters through the door on the 14th of November, Patricia, as regarding which farms were involved and which farms would have to destock. Yeah, this was the famous, uh, the, re- the, the, the red zone, the map came That's out correct, with the red exactly zone That's correct, exactly that. So yeah. we, we uh, roughly speaking, we expect about half of County Cork is in the red zone and half of County Cork is as it was previous to this. Just roughly the Blackwater and the Bandon are as they were previously and it's largely the Lee catchment area is now going to a lower stocking rate. So and, I, have, and am I right in saying that for farmers who are in that red zone, many of them would have, would have put their cows into calf back in spring, which was when before the decision was made? That's the nub of the problem here, Patricia. And, and you know, and, and, and your farm then, you were confirmed on the 14th of November that you had to be down to a reduced stock level. You're about 15%. So somebody with 100 cows would be going down about 15 cows. Now, those cows are in calf. They're due to calf in February, March and April. And what we've asked government and what we asked the commissioner last week was for some mechanism to to reduce slowly or some mechanism that we can calve these cows and then sell them off our farms instead of the option which we can't stomach and we just, you know, and that is that they have to go to a factory between here and the end of the year. And, um, is, is, and is that the part that farmers will find particularly difficult to call a pregnant cow? It is. It's, it's really stomach-wrenching for, for, for people. Um, I mean, you know, we're tasked with minding animals, and we do, and if, you know, if there was something wrong, even if a cow calf tonight had a sick calf, you call the vet immediately. But the thought of sending a cow at this stage with, you know, very close to an old living, viable calf, uh, and put them to the factory is just not acceptable. And is there that, has to be a more not, humane way of doing that this. Is that not an animal welfare issue? Surely. We've looked at all the legislation, Patricia, and we can't find anything that it is. But mm-hmm. I mean, just from a, from a simple moral ground that you and me talking, and I know the general public will think that this is really distasteful, and we do think that it poses a significant reputational risk to our sector. You know, it's not something farmers want to do, and, 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 and I know the general public won't like it. And, and, and our ask here last week and this week is that, I mean, our ask today, it's at the bottom of the letter, that we were asking you to reassess the position adopted by government and re-engage to see, secure a mechanism which will allow the, the animals to calve down and be sold on from the farm after calving. Rather than a call. Correct. Correct. Now, I mean, we, we, we expect there will be markets, you know, typically in, when you go out... Um, do hollow side of, of County Cork and so on. People who don't, you know, maybe grow winter fodder to carry these animals typically, typically buy in four and five and six cows, you know, in March and April. It's at the time the grass is available. They're getting milk checks in. They can go out and buy a few cows to replace the ones that went the year before. And those guys will be looking for these cows, but we just need a mechanism to allow them to be calved down and that we can move them on. So and will that, we, would that decision have to go back to the EU or can the Irish government uh, make that decision? We're, we, we, I don't know, Patricia, um, but we're, we're asking them to find a mechanism in their own system. I mean, we're just questioning, is there a system in, you know, even, even in the fine regime? You know, can we, can we have a reduced fine for the year? Can we have, a, you know, some kind of a statement that, OK, while we're at 220 now, you've got a number of months to comply? Um, something within the system. But, um, you know, we're coming on Christmas here. Factories are going to be closing for the Christmas period. Our dairy sales, you know, they're probably running for another two weeks, but that will be it out into, into springtime. Um, and we're, our, our period here where we have 
decision-making time and capability is really running out now at this stage. And the, dead, and the, the deadline is the 1st of January? 1st of January. So that's just weeks, January. that's just weeks away. It's just weeks, it's just weeks. Now what happens is that next year you have to be on, a, on, a, on an average stocking rate of 200, 220 and the nitrates is the amount of, you know, um, nitrogen that a, that, that a cow will ext- yeah. excrete. excrete. Yeah. Um, so if, if, for instance, if, if, it, if a farmer is tasked with reducing his herd by 10 cows, if, if that 100 cow farmer or the 80 cow farmer has to reduce by 10 cows, if, if, he holds those 10 cows for January, February and March. He'll have to go down 20 cows for October, November, December Whoa. to make up for the extra that he carried. Do you okay. understand? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, 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 it kicks the problem actually into, in, on, on into the other year. You know? Okay, and, and, and one of our listeners earlier this morning, Robert, uh, believes that this will have little or no impact on water quality. That is what we're getting from, from Jagask, um and that is what we're getting from the catchment programs is that it's not a measure that will have a, a, any measurable effect on water quality. And that's the really frustrating thing. I suppose when it goes on, the changes that are being made now, Patricia, um, you know, the rest of the farmers, we, we don't know what's going to come at us again for the new year. We're in a situation where nobody can put together a five-year plan uh, or a 10-year plan. And, and the whole of agriculture is just left in limbo as regards where our future is going to lie at all. Okay, so are you hoping to meet with, do you know if both ministers are in town today? I I believe um, Minister Coveney is in the office and we will meet him, but Minister McGrath is not here. And of course, we're going to the Taunishta's office as well in Cork, but he's away at the COP. Okay, but you're going to hand in a letter. We're handing in the letter, of course. Now, we we have been meeting these consistently, constantly, you know, even up to Wednesday before the day, the day before the commissioner came, and, you know, we fully felt that all our government, particularly these senior ministers, understood completely our predicament. They thought our ask was really reasonable here and that, you know, uh, you know on, on all sensible grounds, we'd have to be given some form of a lead-in period to achieve the 220, but the diktat from Europe was absolutely not. Okay. And, you know, it's frustrating because we feel, well, definitely we know the commissioner nor the commission, none of them have been on a farm in Ireland to understand what we do. Okay, I know, you know, the calving system, and I, I don't think they get it. They just don't get it. They don't understand it. Yeah, and nobody wants to think of, uh, of, a, of a pregnant cow. No, uh, no. Heading to be called. Okay, listen, no. uh, thank you for that. Good luck with your protest uh, today. Thank you, Patricia. And thanks uh, for joining us. Good morning Bye-bye, to you. Too. That is uh, Cork Central IFA County Chairman Conor O'Leary about to embark on that uh, protest through Carrigaline. Town heading to the minister's office. So eight one eight one zero three one zero three. Some of your calls uh, into uh, us. Uh, Willie's been on by uh, WhatsApp. He's just after getting his electricity bill through the post for the last uh, two months. Three hundred and seventy one euro. That's a whopper of a bill, uh, Willie. Uh, particularly when Willie tells me he lives alone in a one bedded flat. And a two-month electricity bill is €371. Uh, He's also saying that his bill doesn't normally arrive until the 15th of the month, but for some reason it is early. He doesn't know why. He's wondering the €150 credit, which is due to go on to everybody's account on the 1st of December today. Uh, Will that come off that bill or will he have to wait until the next bill in January or uh, February to come through? He's with Board Goss. He tried to get on to talk to them on Monday. He said 13 minutes on the phone but failed to get through. He's an old age pensioner living alone and obviously doesn't have that kind of money uh, lying around. That seems really, really expensive. I know the last time we checked for somebody whose electricity bill came in last week, 
kind of the end of November and was hoping the €150 Euro would be taken from it. A number of people pointed out that earlier last year when the €200 Euro credits uh, were given, it's not, it, it won't come off that bill. If the bill has been issued, it will come off the next uh, bill. So, uh, Willie, I would try and have patience on the phone with Board Gosh. See if you can speak to your energy uh, provider and see what advice they can give you because you'll, you'll definitely have a credit on your account for the €150 Euro, but just see if they can somehow organise taking that 150 off the 371 but 371 euro for a one bedded flat uh, for a gentleman living on his own seems very very ex- excessive I mean I have uh, I live in a slightly larger house than a one bedded uh, flat and there's three of us and I, I no, I'll let you know when, I le- when an electricity bill comes in but I'm not expecting it to be uh, as high as that 371 0818 103 103 on passports that we discussed earlier Eileen Clannacilty said she spent hours one evening uh, with her daughter taking a photograph for passport renewal nothing every single photograph was rejected they kept taking another one they'd upload it it'd get rejected for a shadow or for shading. She said it went on and on and on. Eileen said it was so frustrating. She said at times we were in fits of laughter. It was getting so frustrating. Now eventually it did work and then the passport arrived so fast within a couple of days but she said the trouble uploading that photograph was unreal. So she very much identifies with uh, John uh, Bartlemy. Derek and Ballyvorney on the deer said they built that bypass through the natural habitat of the deer. No wonder the deer are confused and lost. Where did they expect the deer to go. Teresa in Kilmallock says we were travelling between Charleville and Kilmallock and all of a sudden a deer appeared out of a ditch. Our car headlights actually picked up the anklers. That was the first we realised that the animal was there. Uh, when he turned the flash of white in his colour stood out. Now he then went across the road over the ditch and off he went out through the fields. Uh, we've been travelling that road to um, Tr- oh, sorry Trisha not Teresa. Trisha said we've been travelling that road for 50 years Never seen a deer before. Locals tell me it is a common occurrence. They come down from the Valley Howers. We luckily weren't speeding, but it could have been a serious accident. Yeah, and the advice from the from the deer um, commission is you don't swerve, you slow down and stop. But that's all well and good if you're doing a reasonable, like a slow enough speed. If you're if you're going very fast, it can be really, really tricky. 0818 103 103. And the listener who's wondering, is the Christmas bonus being paid out this week? It's not. It's been paid out. The double week social welfare, the Christmas bonuses we got will be paid out to everybody next uh, week. And of course it comes with your regular weekly payment on your usual payment day. And you don't have to do anything to apply for it if you're entitled to it. You'll get it next week. C103 Jobs. A full-time person is wanted for servicing vending machines with cold drinks and snacks. Now, a company vehicle will be provided. It's in the North Cork area and you can call 87 411 Cooks and chefs are wanted for full and part-time positions at the Cafe Townhouse in Donorail. Email, please, for the attention of Maura to townhousedonorail at gmail.com. The Donkey Sanctuary in Liscarrett have a vacancy for a new arrivals groom. Full job description and application details are available on their website, which is thedonkeysanctuary.org.uk. And excavator drivers, banksmen and general operatives are wanted for trenching works throughout the West Cork area. Now experience for all of these jobs essential. Call Joe 087 
0818-648-6478. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. cmig.ie. Now we're coming to the end of week two of uh, this year's I'm a Celebrity. Get me out of here. And we've already lost two female contestants before any eviction vote has even been cast. Our entertainment correspondent, Crossy, joins me to reflect on week two of I'm a Celebrity. Good morning to you, Crossy. Good morning. And it's been such a weird week, hasn't it, for I'm a Celebrity? I don't know what it is about it. Like, on paper... It should be one of the best seasons. But when you're looking at the figures, for some reason, it doesn't seem to be doing what it's supposed to be doing. Yeah, because we and we mentioned it last week when we spoke about week one. I mean, they've, they've a great lineup um, and, and it's hard to know what isn't working because parts of it are very, very funny. But as you say, the numbers are not being reflected in the viewership uh, figures. And then we had the food critic, Grace Dent. Um, she was the first to go, but she wasn't really cut out for Jungle Life. You question sometimes why people decide to go on these shows. I would have thought they would have, you know, had doctors, they'd have to do fitness, you know, some sort of um, fitness medical before they go into it. Uh, she said she didn't want to go out and it wasn't what she wanted to do, but they just says they you had to leave because she was so sick. If you would have seen her on Monday night's episode, she looked gaunt looking mm. and she really did look, she didn't look herself. So that was the first one to go. And then Jamie Lynn Spears leaves as well. On medical grounds as well. Now, the one thing that I found strange about the two of them is usually when people leave on medical grounds, either later on on the show or at some stage, there's an interview or there's something. There was nothing. Like if if you watch the Jamie Lynn when she left, she was in the episode just say at quarter past nine. And then at 25 past nine, Josie just reads a statement going, uh, this is from I'm a Celebrity um, due to whatever medical reasons Jamie Lynn Spears has left the camp and she won't be back. And then it went straight then to Anton Deck. They were alive. And I was going, oh, they're probably going to chat to her now. And it just says, we wish her well. And they moved on. And that was it. Yeah. Uh, Because she she, she had been struggling at the beginning, but then she really was settling in and, and, you know, was opening up about Britney, which, which everybody wants to hear about. But she did look like she was getting on okay. Yeah. In the last couple of days... It, you kind of felt that, you know, I know uh, Tony Bellew, he had said afterwards, she's actually really good and she's good fun. And I think Danielle, who uh, played Lola in EastEnders, she was the exact same. She was like, no, she's good. But for some reason, she just, is, they said it's medical and we're just going to have to believe that that's what it is. I know all the campmates, they have to be there for 72 hours before they get the money. So there's an agreement of 72 hours. So at least you get three days out of them. And she she lasted way past that. So it wasn't even that at all either. So yeah, no, it's a shame because I think that's going to screw up the live evictions now. Is the show going to be over? Or are they going to have, like, they, they won't put anyone else in it now. Like, it's way too late to put them in. And I don't think the live Bush Tucker trials, I think they start on Sunday. I think that's happening Sunday night, but I think it needs an injection big time. Um, the likes of Nella, she's ha- she's had an up and down week. We were talking about it last week where she was getting on everyone's nerves, but now she's going at Farage, which everyone seems to be liking. But then there's others going, oh, just give it a rest, Nella. And so it's a str- it's a strange one. I, I like her. I'm, I'm hoping she'll she'll give a full circle because I, I just think, you know, 
you must be hungry in there. You're tired. You're wet. You're cold. I'd say I'd say I would be an antichrist in there. <laughs> and she she had a medical emergency, but she came back. She yeah yeah I'd say they're delighted she came back, but that that usually doesn't happen. Usually when you leave it due to a medical emergency, you're kind of kept in it, and you're kept out of it, and that's it. So it's just, it's a strange one. I, I think winners this week. I think everyone is loving Sam. I think they're loving how he's talking about um, having ADHD, and I think it's great that you know he's shining a light and. You'd love to give him a hug every once in a while because he just looks like a sound person. He looks like a really nice guy. Yeah, because at the start, his I think he's going to annoy the life out of everybody would he ever calm down. And as I was watching it, I was saying to myself, he definitely has ADHD. And I thought perhaps undiagnosed ADHD. So then to hear him talk about it. and he Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. He's talking about yep. something that is getting a lot of coverage and rightly so. The amount of adults that are getting diagnosed with uh, ADHD. I know, for example, in this country, the average age for a diagnosis of ADHD is 28, which is incredible. Wow. I never knew that. Wow. That's, that's, and look, isn't it amazing that if you are, if you, if you feel like you have ADHD, seeing this on TV, I think it's probably one of the brighter things, isn't it? That it's, it's, it's kind of just showing... Look, this is this guy. He's promoting it. He, he's showing, look, life is normal. And he is. I, I think now he has a good chance of winning it mm. I, or even being in the final day. I don't see how he won't be in the final day. I still think Josie's going to win it. So do I. <laughs> I think, so do I. I, I think, think it's hers to lose now. She is just so everything that comes out of her mouth. I think her accent helps that everything comes out <laughs> of her mouth is, is, is funny. Uh, the weather, Crossy, hasn't been very kind to them this year. Which is very, and you know, is that going to dampen moods? And I think it is dampen moods. I think in the next couple of days, you're going to start to see them getting more ratty and ratty and ratty. And that's, that's, that's the I'm a celeb that 
because we're not getting the fun bits, I think this is the bit that we're that we're probably going to have to start enjoying it now. Um, I know in Ireland, I know I, I know we said earlier on that the ratings are down. In the UK, they're down two or three million. Wow. But in Ireland, apparently, they're very healthy. Oh. They're very healthy in Ireland. Yeah, yeah. I, I I just I text someone there while I was on. I was like, I just wanted to make sure about the Irish ones. But I've been told that the Irish ratings are quite healthy compared to what they're like over in over in, in, uh, in the, the UK. How, May, uh, how do you think Nigel Farage is doing? I would say he'll be the first to go. I I would be I if I was ITV now, I'd be afraid that those three million that aren't watching it is it something got to do with that? A lot of people says you've overstepped the mark by putting someone like him into it. They haven't really given him much airtime. He hasn't been voted in that many trials. And if he has been, you know, they've been kind of very quick. You saw the one during the week when he was with Nick Pickard, you know, the guy from Hollyoaks. And he did, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. He couldn't He couldn't last in that box full of snakes and crocodiles and all that sort. And you could see he was very downbeat about it. But they didn't dwell in it. I think before, they, if it was Matt Hancock last year, they probably would have kept the camera on him all the time. I think they're I think they're actively trying to go, okay, maybe we did overstep the mark. Maybe we probably shouldn't have put him in. Because like, isn't he getting one point seven million for it? Yeah, the highest the ever mo- paid, the most paid person yeah. in it. I and I was surprised to hear you say that they only they only have to do seventy two hours to hang on to their yeah. money. Yeah, I didn't I didn't so he's not in there for the money then, because he could walk now if he wanted to. He could walk now. Yeah, I'd I'd say I'd say the people that are in there now, they're in it to win it. Like I'd yeah. say Tony Bell, you, you know, Frankie did look God love poor El Frankie de Tori. Jeez, you'd never know he'd do horse <laughs> racing. Does he talk about anything else? <laughs> oh. Okay, listener says, so glad to see Sam doing so well and I'm a celebrity. He's so Amazing. lovely. I always enjoyed him on Made in Chelsea. He's like everyone's kid brother. And he is, he does have that kind of and he's the annoying kid brother that you can't help but love, even though he he might, he yeah, might, yeah. He might annoy everyone. And it, it, a lot of people have been commenting on morning on, on the loss of um, the late great Shane McGowan. Uh, were you a fan and did you ever meet him in all of your red Oh, do you know what? I did. I met him years and years ago and he was just in the same room as me and I just I heard loads of people telling stories. It's, it's so beautiful that it, his death, it hasn't been sadness. It's been a celebration and I think that says a lot about the man himself that people are celebrating his life and talking about his life. The amount of stories that have been out uh, there's a great story with Kiefer Sutherland. I saw someone tweeted, he was on the Late Late Show years ago, and he had said that they were in the Shelburne, I think it was, in Dublin. And they started talking about politics and ended up having a, a, a boxing match, the two of them, <laughs> in reception. And then that was that. Hours later, hours later, uh, Shane arrived back and he was like, my friends have all left me, I've nowhere to stay tonight. Can I sleep in your couch in your hotel room? And he said, come on then, yeah. So Kiefer um, woke up the next morning thinking that Shane would still be there because they had a drink after, you know, they made yeah. up and all that. And Kiefer says when he walked out into, into his massive hotel room that all the blankets had been folded up neatly and a beautiful two-page note was left on the table of uh, of Shane talking about how he really enjoyed his company over the last 12 hours and talked about life and love and all that. And Kiefer was like, where else would you get that? Aww. You know, the man was a poet. Yeah, it, it's. I'm sure if you get if you go on Twitter or whatever and just say Kiefer Sutherland late, late, it will come up in it. Right. I, I think he told the story to Ryan Tuberty years ago. But yeah, look, it's lovely. There's so many lovely stories about him. There is. There, there, uh, there is. Um, uh, back time a celebrity. Sam is great, says, uh, Sean in Mallow. He has to win it, says uh, Sean in Mallow. So we've another week to go and it is Sunday week as the final. So it's, it's we've another week. 
Yeah, so probably Sunday's probably as well when they're going to start kicking people out. Yeah, I would yeah. say because a lot of camp mates in it. Okay. Danielle looks very looks that she's lost loads of weight. Oh Have you noticed that God, as well? Oh my God, that girl! Her, you can really see it in her face. I mean, she was thin yeah. anyway, but by God, she's she definitely didn't have the weight to lose. Whereas some of the others might do well for losing a few pounds and be happy enough to lose a few pounds. But she <laughs> I definitely go myself. She definitely couldn't afford it. And very finally, before <laughs> we let you go, and we will we will talk next week at the end of. Um, for the final week but I saw you I, I was slightly jealous I saw you at the, over in London at the premiere of Wonka because it's a movie I'm really looking forward to seeing because I'm a huge fan of the original Willy Wonka and the, and the Chocolate Factory what an amazing uh, movie what is Wonka like please say it's well good. do you know what if you like the Gene Wilder one you're yeah. going to like this because oh. um, people have been asking me about it going what do you make of it and I was like look there's no extra bits for adults in it as in, you, you know the way sometimes, like the Barbie movie, there were some double entendres, there were some, some you know, secret jokes that only adults will get. Yeah. There is none of that in this. This is a family movie for a family to sit around on the couch to watch or to watch it in the cinema. Go support your cinemas and watch it. It is a family movie. You know the way Gene Wilder was a bit madness. Yeah. You didn't know whether he's going to yeah. go left or right. Timothy Chalamet is the exact same. Uh, great songs in it. Uh, Neil... Hannon from Divine Comedy wrote all the original songs in it and it's just his songs are beautiful people have asked do they do the Impa Loompa song they do and they also do the Come With Me song and they, I, I just, it's it's magical It's there's a lot going on there's a lot of colours in it but it's a family movie Brilliant, if brilliant. That, you know, and it's, it, yeah. and it's nice it's, to have, it's lovely it's nice to have a family movie at this time of the year as, uh, as well alright listen Crossy pleasure as always we'll chat to you again next Friday have a lovely week Talk to you next Friday. Bye. Uh, bye, 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 bye. That is our lovely Crossy, who is our entertainment correspondent. Actually, just on the Shane McGowan and the Pogues, there was a lovely text in so many WhatsApps coming in uh, saying, Hi, Patricia, apparently the Pogues had a longer Gaelic name originally. And as a new band, they were billed to appear on a BBC show under this Gaelic name. Contrary to some people's view that no one speaks Irish, uh, there was an Irish speaker on that particular BBC. BBC show, obviously maybe somebody behind the scenes in the production who burst out laughing when they heard the name of the song and everybody wanted to know, well, what's the joke? Then he explained that the band's name was Poke Mahone, which of course means kiss my rear end. The BBC team were totally dismayed. So they went to Shane and the rest of the band and said, you're going to have to change that name. Sorry, we can't run with that name. Quickly, the band's new name became the Pogues and that name stuck with them to this day. Farewell Shane, Eriesday, Garev and Anam Dealer. Ours to Protect brought to you by C103 the IBI and funded by the Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out ours to protect.ie for more info. This week we hear of a new initiative by Enterprise Ireland to help companies on their sustainability journey. Alexa Toomey is Head of Sustainability at EI and explains what the campaign aims to achieve. Well, I suppose the the purpose of this campaign is really about getting the word out there to all of the client companies that Enterprise Ireland works with. So that's about 4,000 companies, but equally to the wider enterprise base in Ireland to really highlight the importance to all of them of having a sustainability plan in place. I suppose from our point of view here in Enterprise Ireland, we we know that sustainability is something that's hugely important to 
you know, kind of all enterprise. Um, and I think it's increasingly something that all companies are going to have to have as part of their business strategy. So we're just trying to get the word out there that you know, companies need to get a sustainability plan in place if they don't already have one and that we've got a lot of supports here that can help them to do that. And what might a sustainability plan look like for a small business? I think that this is one of the things that may be um, kind of put some companies off kind of getting started on this journey. So when we talk about a sustainability plan, we, we really mean one that's right for your business wherever you're at. So there's some companies that have a big carbon footprint. So for them, the, the main focus of their sustainability plan is likely going to be reducing that carbon footprint. And the environment is you know, obviously a huge pillar of anybody's sustainability plan. So it could be about carbon, it could be about water usage, it could be about, you know, the packaging that you're using. It could be about, um, you know, just kind of being more energy efficient within your business, which I think is something that's relevant to so many companies for a lot of reasons, as, as reasons as they kind of look at energy prices increasing, but equally as they try to reduce their carbon footprint. But it's also the wider area. So if we think of kind of that wider ESG area, where we're looking at, you know, what can companies do to make sure they're they're as as kind of socially sustainable um, as well as kind of economically sustainable. So, you know, how how do they interact with their communities? How do they interact with their supply chain? How do they interact with their staff? So I suppose I'd I'd really say to companies that taking that first step is the important step. And that wherever you're at, whether you've got a high carbon footprint or a low carbon footprint, you know, there, there is something in this for everybody. So your sustainability plan will always be right-sized to your own business. And have EI client companies made progress on improving their sustainability? Yeah, I mean, look, we've been working with companies kind of, I suppose, more intensively over the past kind of maybe two years on sustainability. We've always had offerings in this space, but but we've kind of done a lot more recently. Uh, one company that I'd, I'd kind of point to is Port West. So Port West are based up in Mayo and they manufacture workwear and PPE. Um, a lot of us would, would know would know their, their logo and use their products, I'm sure. And for them, you know, they, they looked at sustainability in terms of what are the kinds of materials they're using that allow them to continue to, you know, kind of produce safety wear that, that meets all of the requirements and that, that is kind of world class, but that also kind of has a lower um, carbon footprint. So, you know, that's something that, that they have done. And I suppose that's helped them when they're working with their customers. So when they're working with some of the very large construction companies who buy their safety wear, that they're able to show that their safety wear is as sustainable as it can be. And what kind of supports can you offer to companies who want to improve their sustainability? We have some workshops. So we have our sustainability Kickstarter um, program, and that's a half-day program. Um, it's made available free of charge to companies. And what that does is it brings companies through what are the basics of a sustainability plan? What does good look like? Why is a sustainability plan important for you and your business? We recognise companies are very busy. Um, you know, and, and, and they need to be focusing their efforts on things that are going to deliver for them. And it just really helps them to get started. So we have, you know, kind of that style of a, of a workshop where you're you're attending along with your peers. They're online workshops. But, you know, we do try and make sure that companies get the chance to interact on them. We also have um, 
funding supports that help companies to bring an expert in to work with them on their specific plans. So we've got our Climate Action Voucher, which um, provides companies with access to two days of a consultant's time to work with them. We have our Green Start Fund and our Green Plus Fund. I won't go into the details of all of them, but really this is about bringing expertise into your company and helping your company to access training. And then when companies are looking at maybe kind of decarbonizing their business, you know, for those companies that have, you know, maybe a bit more of a carbon footprint, we have supports there to help you to adopt kind of best in class technology that will help to bring down the carbon footprint of your business. And how can people find out more about the EI sustainability campaign? So they can go onto our website, so that's enterprise-ireland.com and they can go onto our social media um, presence as well where, where we have lots of information being shared there, um, you know, kind of on different workshops and different initiatives that we're hosting. For more on the EI sustainability campaign, go to enterprise-ireland.com or look up the show notes for this episode. Ours to Protect, brought to you by C103, the IBI, and funded by the Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out ours to protect.ie for more info. Noreen listening to my interview with Crossy earlier talking about I'm a Celeb. Noreen says, I don't know what version of I'm a Celeb Crossy is watching, but Nigel Farage is getting lots of trials and I think he's doing them brilliantly. There was only one that he failed at, but at least he tried. I follow I'm a Celebrity and not one bad comment from the English public about Nigel. Get Nella out. What an entitled brat. Josie, Nigel and Marvin for the win, in my opinion, says Noreen. Yeah, I, and I'd like to see all of them, I have to say, uh, get through to the final. Thank you for that. Lad of interest in the show this year. And Mike, in Bantry, picking up on an interview I did yesterday, I remember I had Niall Hatch on from Birdwatch and he was encouraging people to get involved, particularly here in Cork. We seem to be very good at getting involved in the annual Garden Birdwatch um, that they do. It's a survey. They ask people to get involved. You can go on to uh, birdwatchireland.ie um, for further details about it. Mike suggests as a possible Christmas present for people, membership to Birdwatch Ireland would be great. He said it's suitable for any age and when you remember, they organised bird watching outings as well and he said it's uh, really good to have a membership for Birdwatch Ireland so if you're looking to maybe get a present for somebody you're scratching your head membership annual membership to Birdwatch Ireland thank you for that Mike okay we need to take a break we have news at 12 on the way we've got more panto tickets uh, to give away our final family pass will be given away after uh, 12 and we'll also talk movies with Mark Malone Court today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie And today is our final day where we're giving you a chance to win a family pass for four to see Beauty and the Beast. It's uh, this year's traditional family panto at the Everyman and we have tickets to get you there Saturday week the 9th of December plus there is a family pass for four to go bowling at the Leisureplex on McCurtain Street and the panto officially opens tomorrow night the 2nd of December with tickets available for the run at everymancork.com Now, a question for you and by text or WhatsApp please only. Uh, we want you uh, to name the ultra-masculine villain who is determined to marry Belle in Beauty and the Beast. Is it A, Jamie 
or is it C, Gaston? Is it A, Jamie or C, Gaston, the ultra-masculine villain in Beauty and the Beast, the man who's determined to marry Belle, but Belle is having none of it. Get your answer in, please. Either A, Jamie or B, Gaston. Get your answers in. It's by text and WhatsApp only 0862103103 and we will select a winner who will win our final family pass. Family passes for four people to go to both see Beauty and the Beast but also there's the extra bonus of a chance for your family to go bowling at the Leisureplex on uh, McCurtain Street. Get texting and WhatsApping on that please. And while we are waiting for our winner today let me catch up on some of your commentary coming into the program. Now can anybody help this uh, listener? This is to do with cleaning windows. Hi Patricia. The lovely sunny weather is showing up my window cleaning failures says this listener. No matter what I do, there are streaks. Does anybody have a good hack for cleaning windows? I don't want to be hoping for dull, dark, wet days when visitors call over Christmas so that my dire windows won't be noticed. Surely there is some way forward to achieve sparkling windows. And this is from an enthusiastic amateur at cleaning windows. Uh, when I saw that text come in, I from my mother, Dorothy Mercy, she'd be out on the outside with her little chamois and she'd have one of us in on the inside and she'd be pointing to, you know, where she'd see a streak and, she, and if it wasn't on the outside then it must have been on the inside and you had to rub and rub and rub. But back in those days she used a product, I don't even know if you can still buy it, Windoline. It was a kind of a pink chalky type of a and you put it onto the windows. God, it really made cleaning windows uh, a, a bit of a chore, I can tell you. Uh, but she always had sparkling windows, I can tell you that. I use one of those squeegees, the only things, the up and down things. Do I have streaks? Yeah, I do. Would I love a solution to get rid of uh, streaks? Anybody have suggestions for enthusiastic amateur at cleaning windows? How do you get the streaks? The cleaning of it is OK, but it's getting the streaks away afterwards to have nice sparkling windows especially and when that sun that watery sun comes in it really shows up at windows uh, for sure 0818103103 hold off on texting in advice because they'll get lost in the middle of all of the entries to the competition but you give John Paul a call people reacting to the farmers and the IFA are having a protest as we speak they're in Carrigaline they're going along to the constituency offices of Simon Coveney and Michael McGrath and uh, they're also going to the constituency office of uh, Micheál Martin this morning trying to get some kind of a change to the, the nitrates uh, derogation well, just to get a bit of extra time for them to get their houses in order. Michael says a certain percentage of farmers increased their herd hoping a scheme will be put in place to get rid of cows but that didn't happen and now they're roaring from the rooftops. Not all farmers did it said Michael but some farmers did they're not all squeaky clean you know they were hoping to cash in with the scheme and Carmel and and Turk was kind of saying something similar. She was saying, where were all the animal welfare organisations when farmers started to expand? There was none of them. Too many cows been sent to the factories. What farmers are looking for today is a cow grant. So I, I take it that's the same as Michael's point, some kind of scheme. But Mary Ann can see why the EU are going down this route of the nitrates derogation. She said the water in our taps, wells, rivers, streams, lakes and under our feet in the ground is in the trust of the Irish state and its citizens. Water quality is something we can't take 
for granted. Safeguarding it is imperative. Reducing stocking rates and then in turn less animal slurry and fertilising use of course makes sense says Marianne. So she's in favour of the nitrates derogation. But somebody who isn't a farmer says, I'm not a farmer but I feel that the farmers are being bullied here. Years ago we followed the prevailing attitude for our sugar industry and too late that decision is now deemed to have been misdirected. Science-based statistics tell us that unless the USA and China finally engage with the climate issue, the climate crisis will never be resolved. Meanwhile, even if Ireland does everything on our green list while becoming food dependent in the process, our actions will have a minuscule impact on the overall problem of climate change and Ireland will end up importing food. I was raised by an environmentalist and I live sustainably myself, but I even recognise that a global impact on climate change cannot happen without the big countries' engagements. That is a fact. When will our government focus on the needs and priorities of the Irish people? I think a lot of people will agree agree with you on that and even though I know we're all meant to do our best but we are like a drop in the ocean when you look at the larger countries and the larger uh, populations. 0818103103 Let me go to Tim Aleague uh, to uh, Eilish. Um, Good afternoon Eilish. Hello, Patricia. How you, are you? I'm very well. You have a solution for our amateur window cleaner. What is it? Yes. Well, I'm looking out through my dirty window with the sun <laughs> shining on it. Um, uh, do what I do. What I say. Yeah. Uh, the old-fashioned way was newspaper. Yeah. The old-fashioned newspaper. It didn't have to be the Cork Examiner, but it was any newspaper to rub after you initially clean the windows, rub the streaks away with old-fashioned newspaper. Does that work? And if you, <clears throat> it does. Uh, we had a shop in Timaleague for years and a certain customer would always say, can you keep the newspapers for me, please? I must do my windows. <laughs> and, you, you, and you scrunch up the newspaper almost into a ball yeah. in your hand? Yeah. You will know, just like a cloth, just yeah. wipe it wide or whatever, yeah, it, any newspaper, uh, particularly one not with dye, you know, just the ordinary black and white. Right, yeah, yeah, print. yeah. And it removes, yeah, and it removes the streaks. It, the streaks, it does, yeah, it does, it does. And um, have you another suggestion with vinegar? Vinegar, in if you're using water, you know, a bucket of water or whatever to, to wash your windows rather than just clean them with the windowing job. Yeah. Um, yeah, a drop of vinegar in, in the water, uh, the rinse water, um, should should leave you with sparkling windows. Yeah, vinegar is great. Vinegar is a fantastic product for so many yeah, things. It is for, yeah, uh, but um, I do know that the newspaper does work. Okay. But well, on, on windows that you're washing now, not not using windowing. Okay. Just, uh, if you're using water, water, sudsy water. Yeah, washing up liquid or something. Yeah. Else. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, All right. Yeah. Well, that's a good tip. Thank you for that, Eilish. Are you going to go off? Good Are you going to clean your windows now this afternoon? Uh, not this afternoon. Oh yes, that's the other thing. Don't do it when the sun is shining on, on them. Why? Because you will end up with streaks. Oh, okay. <laughs> with this sun, with this sun shining on the window, yeah. that will definitely uh, give you streaks. Okay, so, so wait until a dull day. Well, therefore, <laughs> you cannot clean your windows today, Eilish, because the today, sun is shining. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Thanks <laughs> yeah, for that. Exactly. Have a good day. Okay. Bye-bye, bye-bye, Eilish. <laughs> Timothy, good words of advice. The old-fashioned newspaper. Go back to basics. And would our amateur 
a window cleaner let us know how she gets on uh, with that now I got a really really lengthy WhatsApp in uh, earlier and I'm only getting around to it now but I want to bring it because I think uh, there will be a number of people who will agree and there will be a number of people who uh, disagree and this is to do with the amount of uh, international protection migrants and um, not migrants international protection and asylum seekers and Ukrainian refugees uh, coming into various parts of the country. Hi Patricia, I live in Yall. It's a small seaside town in East Cork for those that don't know. We have a population of about 5,000 people. Historically, a summer town largely dependent on holidaymakers and foot traffic during the summer months supporting the shops, the bars, the butchers, the cafes, the restaurants, etc. It's a town that once had 30 odd bars, hotels and restaurants. Now, sadly, I think it's down to as low as 12. And lately, several of the local hotels and apartments were converted into accommodation, providing in-house meals for refugees and migrants, particularly one very large hotel in the town that had chalets and apartments for rent as well. Several multi-million euro contracts have been paid, one, I'm told, in excess of 10 million. Again, all with little or no consultation with local residents or shop owners and worth very little or nothing to the very people who struggle to keep the town afloat. It means it's of no benefit to the local economy. While a few, while few would begrudge shelter to women and children or families genuinely seeking temporary shelter and safety. In fact, people rallied here to donate and support them and still do. However, my understanding is between our, our town's hotels and apartments, we now have well over a thousand refugees or asylum seekers thrust upon us and people here in the town are upset and actually getting a bit sick of it. If that number is true, 1,000, that's roughly a 20% rise in our population. A huge change in a small town. Surely if all of the asylum seekers and refugees were spread evenly around the countryside, it would be fairer to them and to us. Wouldn't people be happy to help? The village in Leitrim is 100% right to protest. There are over 300 towns in Ireland with over a 1,000 people registered living there, not to mention cities and thousands of small villages. If they were all to take a few, wouldn't that be the fairer way of doing it? But they've all been sent here to y'all. They arrive in buses at night. Another 100 arrived just a few weeks ago. And I can tell you, Patricia, people are annoyed and frustrated. For instance, parents outside schools are worried about the quality of education that their children are now receiving. Classes are heaving with children with little or no English. How many of our own children's quality of education is suffering because of it? What do you do when you have six or seven eight-year-olds in a class when English isn't their native language. 30 children per class is now commonplace in some schools. It is ridiculous. We will now have fewer holidaymakers, tourists and the locals here cannot get rented accommodation. What Whatever was scarce is now gone. Plenty of locals have ended up moving back in with parents or relatives or indeed some have emigrated. The people on housing lists for years here have been skipped and put back down the ever-increasing housing list and instead we're seeing the accommodation of new arrivals, uh, not just Ukrainians. But the town centre is also becoming like a ghost town. There's only one hotel and a few nice B&Bs left to rent accommodation. Closures and people setting up local businesses, bars and shops. It's hard to watch with empty shop fronts 
and for sale signs all up the main street. Tesco and Little on Greenfield sites on the outskirts years ago certainly didn't help the town centre but the town now is slowly disappearing. But it seems the government policy and lack of planning, care and consultation with local people is shocking. They don't. They simply don't seem to care. They refuse to listen to the majority and to the will of the people and sadly will never learn. I hope that when elections come round the current government get what they deserve on the doorstep countrywide for I feel they've sold out their own uh, people. They're going for globalisation policies that are destroying and ruining towns and countryside and ruining our way of life. All for a quick buck and a pat on the back from Brussels. It seems to be the aim of the of our politicians. Shame on them. They should look after their own first. Fairness for our own is all people really want. I understand that even giving my opinion probably makes me far right these days because I don't agree with or believe in what is happening in all parts of the country. And let's be clear, I do not. How could you? For too many, far too fast for a small country been brought in by grossly unqualified politicians making huge decisions for our country with irreversible consequences. To quote the great George or- Orwell, it is frightful that people who are so ignorant should have so much influence. They will undoubtedly learn there are an awful lot of people locally like me when an election comes around and Leo Varadkar, Mihal Martin and uh, worse still, Eamon Ryan uh, will find out. People shouldn't and I suspect won't uh, forget. Um, yeah, and I know people are afraid to speak out on issues like that because they feel that they are being tired with the far right and we do have a far right who incite an awful lot of hatred and misinformation. But I do understand where you're coming from and you're not on your own and there are a lot of people in other areas that where there are a lot of um, asylum seekers and refugees have arrived into. They feel that their areas completely look nothing like they were before. And I actually had an email in and I need to correct some of the information in this uh, because it's misquoting me. And this is from somebody in the Fomoy area who are having similar problems to what you are addressing is happening in Yaw. And this is signed a concerned mother and local of Fomoy. Hi Patricia, I just want to follow up on a phone call that was made to a lady locally in Fomoy regarding Abbey. House and Abbeville House is this house that uh, currently has been done up, and the, the and what's been told locally is it's going to house I think 155 asylum seekers. Anyway, back to the email. You have said that we have been informed by councillors and TDs about what what is going on there at Abbeville House. And what I would like to make very clear, we are not being told by anyone. There is very little contact from any of them on what is going on. Any information we have, we've been doing our best to research ourselves. So it would be massively appreciated to have your information corrected. We had one document from councillors and that was all we ever got. We wouldn't have to do what we are doing if we've been informed by people of what is happening. The media is quick to turn things around on people. So we want to make clear why we are doing what we are doing. We are in the dark since the very beginning of this, just like every other town, every other time a centre to house refugees or asylum seekers was used in our town. And and obviously this uh, mother is one of the people who's protesting. I'm assuming there's a, there's, I think it's a 24 hour protest outside of Abbeville House to stop, I don't know if it's stopping workers, to stop anybody moving in. Can I just say, I never said that local people in Formoy were being kept informed. In fact, I said the exact opposite. I said the problems we are having with people being forced uh, to protest is because of lack of information. 
it's because of lack of engagement with local communities and it seems that the powers that be are learning nothing because we had this at the start, particularly at the start of the refugees from Ukraine uh, arriving when they were when uh, an area was getting too many uh, refugees we then had people saying you know why is our town almost being picked on why are we housing all of them and our schools are under pressure our GPs are under pressure and we were promised there would always be engagement there wouldn't be this the dead of the night a bus arriving and then locals only finding out the next day so I said the exact opposite and I was talking about people in Formoy who haven't been uh, kept informed and it is simply is, is wrong and because people are not being kept informed it leads then to uh, protests uh, locally. 0818, so I'm, I'm glad to clarify that. 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council reminding you to support local when choosing gifts this Christmas. If you're out and about in Mallow today, please support the Mallow Daycare Centre. They're having their annual flag day. Collectors will be positioned around Mallow. Various outlets throughout the day. Please be generous. Social dancing in the Marion Hall in Ballinhasic is on tonight. Music is by Tim Joe and Anne. Dancing from 9 to midnight admission, €10 Euro, and it includes teas. Cork County Council are honouring Johnny Horgan, a.k.a. Johnny Bongos. It's at a civic reception in the Hibernian Hotel in Mallow tonight. That starts at half past eight. A Christmas flower demonstration with Margaret O'Hearn will be held in the Crookstown Hall tonight. Starts at 8. Admission is €10 and the arrangements will be raffled afterwards. Proceeds from the evening are in aid of the local Church of Ireland churches in Kilmurray, Aherla and Temple Martin. Drumahan Tennis Club, they've got a fundraising table quiz. Hickey's Bar tonight, 8 o'clock start. Tables of four, 40 euro, all are welcome. And bingo is on in the store in Kildallery Community Yard tonight at eight with a jackpot of 2,950. And bingo is also on in Mallow in the GA complex tonight at eight. Their jackpot is 7,200. And Marion is just in a, in a text to say Middleton GAA bingo is on this evening at half past seven. Usual great prizes on offer. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Lots of people having suggestions on the cleaning of windows. Kate is in Passage West. She says the best product is Windoline and it's called Diamond Shine, but use it with kitchen paper. Don't use it with a cloth and don't use it with newspaper. Sheila in Skibbereen, go back to basic. Wash the windows with sudsy uh, water and exactly what Eilish says, never ever clean windows when the sun is shining. And I didn't know that. Uh, you cannot clean a window when the sun is shining. That's how you'll end up with streaks. Sudsy water and as Eilish says, newspaper, it works fine. And Baz in Bantry, tepid water with a splash of vinegar is great for cleaning windows and they should end up streak free. Also good for cleaning drinking glasses, the uh, old remedy never ever fails. John and Mallow says there's a new window cleaner out. It's in a squeezer bottle and there's a frog on the logo. John doesn't know the name. It's new but he said it works perfectly and it even works on mirrors and you don't end up with any streaks. It's got a frog on the front of it. Somebody can tell us the name uh, uh, please. Oh and I just got a text in because I saw Dermot Jewell of the Consumers Association highlighting this yesterday and I'll throw it out as a word of warning to people who regularly shop in Dunn stores and you might use those money 
money off vouchers. Hi Patricia, I am a very loyal Dunn Stores grocery shopper. I love my Dunn Stores. But I'm just looking at my 10 euro off 50 euro voucher. Very frustrated to see the dates have now been reduced to just 10 days no noticed whatsoever about this reduction. I am disgusted, says the Lloyd Shopper. It had it was fourteen days, and they have reduced it uh, to ten, which is a bit mean for people who do say a regular weekly shop. And you might do one big shop. You might be away on holidays and not get used the voucher the next week, but you know it'll be okay for the following week because of the fourteen days. It's going to catch people, so be aware of that. It has been reduced from fourteen days to at uh, ten. Okay, the our winner on our panto, and of course Gaston was the name of the uh, masculine villain that we were talking about who's desperately trying to marry Belle in Beauty and the Beast. Margaret O'Sullivan, Liam Lara, our winner today. Congratulations to you, Margaret. You're heading off to see Beauty and the Beast Saturday week in the Everyman and you've also won a family pass to Leisureplex and a goodie bag on arrival in the theatre. And can we wish the very best of luck to everybody involved in the pantomime. Um, and you can get tickets at everymancork.com and we know that the pantomime is is opening, it's starting uh, tomorrow night. So final preparations in place today. So we decided this week we'd send our reporter Stephen Fox. We'd send him to the Everyman to talk with the cast and to try to get a little bit of sneak pre- preview. Is what a, a, is what it, of what is ahead for Cork's most traditional panto? He sent us this report. I'm Catherine Mahan Buckley. I'm the producer and director of the Everyman Cada production of Beauty and the Beast, which opens on Saturday. You can imagine this is the getting week, so it's all mixing the cake and hoping that we put the right ingredients in, and then we'll have everybody taste it on Saturday. What can people expect? Well, everybody will know the storyline of Beauty and the Beast. And I'm very strong about keeping the line of the story true because children do come. And when I say children, I include that, the child within the adult as well, come with that expectation. And from that, I draw a line on the actual storyline and then little branches off. What if? And I suppose we bring it up to the 2023 expectations of what children and what adults and, you know, you're competing against the media, the computers, the fast podcasts and so forth. But, you know, live entertainment will never die. And particularly they'll see the band in operation. They'll have some of the songs they'll know. The pop songs are introduced and the storyline. And there's loads of fun, slapstick comedy, belly laughing and I, the most important thing is audience participation. With the storyline this year with Beauty and the Beast I just got this idea, I know that it, you know it's French, I decided well that story can be anywhere so we're staging ours in Cork. So we have the characters from Cork, you have Luminaires called Sparky, Sparky Looney and Cogsworth is called Shandon the Four Liars and the Feather Duster is Barbie because Barbie is huge this year as you know and then we have Gasbag, we have to have a Ken, Cork Humour is great. People love it. They love the lilt, they love the accent, and they love the humour. My name is Marion Goggin and I'm playing Belle. My name is Podrick Defusco and I'm playing the Beast. This is my 14th panto. <laughs> I started as a child. So I went all the way up through CADA and I started with my junior chorus and I moved on to Handmaidens, which kind of 16 every performance. And then during COVID, I played Cinderella in the Once Upon a Time with the Panto Stars. And then two years ago, I was Jasmine in Aladdin. And now I'm back as Belle. So a long road. <laughs>
I haven't been in that many pantos. I've been in two. This is my second consecutive year. So last year I was the prince in Cinderella, and then this year I'm the beast. Very happy to have my second panto about to be under my belt. I mean, we're just getting started, but. <laughs> I think the character is very different. Everything else has been the same. It's still the same fun, same same crack. There's a lot of familiar faces, there's some new faces. And it's really exciting getting to work with different people and seeing how those people work. And the music is amazing. I have some amazing solos. I'm just so excited to sing these songs. One's by Keen Ducrow, a Cork man. Really excited to get started. I think for myself, it's always the same feeling. I think it's very special for me because I grew up through it. And every year that I get to be a principal role is just amazing. They were people I idolised. Like everyone on the stage there. It's the first time working with Podrig, and it's going great, I think. Ah, so far. So far. <laughs> so far. <laughs> Two of the things that came up were bringing it forward into 2023, this kind of older story, and then making it core. How have you found that? Has it been a challenge? Did it feel natural? Bringing the story forward, um, Olin did the set design, and it's very modern. Whoever comes to see the show is going to be blown away by the set and how futuristic it is. I mean, I, it's very special. So I'll say that. And then for the Cork thing, I mean, you have Sparky Looney, who's uh, the candlestick. He's a proper Cork man. For me, being from Waterford, it's just so lovely. Obviously, Dungarvan is quite close to Cork, and I would have come to Cork City as a child a lot. I get the humour, and I think it's just hilarious. And I just love the fact that I've been brought into this cocoon of Cork people and been made an honorary member of, of the Cork Panto community. <laughs> For the Cork side, majority of us grew up here, so I think you get those little small like eggs that were able to be thrown in and it's great that you get that opportunity so someone will be like oh I think this will be great here and it's added in and we all get a laugh out of it so I think that kind of stuff just comes naturally for myself the script was amazing from the get-go and it was just trying to bring it to life and I hope I've done that for all of the little girls watching and anyone that's there really I hope that they're looking at a bell and being like yeah that's what I want to be like it's an amazing experience and I I went into last year thinking oh I'll try panto and I wasn't sure how I'd feel about it and then I'm back again so I obviously do find some sort of joy doing it and seeing the kids faces and I remember leaving the theatre before and there'd be schools of kids and, and they'd be like oh my god it's Prince William like it's just lovely being able to take people in the audience an adventure and forget about everything that's going on out there and just come to Cork and have a good time. Every single time I do it, it's it's amazing. I love being on stage. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if I didn't. It's a hard road. You have to love it. But I think just getting to interact and that first time you walk out and you see the children's eyes light up and they're clapping and everyone's you know, having a great time. For me, that's probably the most amazing thing that I can have. It's euphoric for me. Everyone brings something special. And this time, I think everyone is lovely. I've had a great time. I love the character Belle. I think she's amazing. And I'm sure I'll find other things as the panto goes on. It's going to be a real Cork tradition with great fun, great laughter, having great interaction with the audience. Roar, shout, laugh, ball, be part of Beauty and the Beast. And at the end of the night, we'll decide whether you're the beauty or the beast. Oh, that was delightful and thank you to um, Stephen Fox our reporter for putting that uh, package uh, together on cleaning windows the listener says I just wait for the rain to clean my windows it works for me every time and it's free and hassle free as well and someone says Patricia that cleaner that the person is talking about with the frog on the front of it is called True 
wash. Can I very quickly say a big thank you to everybody at the Avendu. They sent me a copy of the Avendu uh, Christmas. Do they call it a Christmas annual? It's the Avendu by the Fireside. It's kind of the North Cork version of the Hollybow and I am really looking forward to taking it home over the weekend and going through what are a lot of what looks like really interesting uh, articles. So thank you and good luck to everybody. The Avendu by the Fireside is out in all shops now uh, priced at just four uh, euro. And lovely Ballycotton by the sea. They're holding their Christmas craft fair. It's on, on Sunday between 12 and 4. It's at the Community Hall in Ballycotton. There's various crafts and home baking stalls on display and admission is uh, free. And please try to support as many of those Christmas craft fairs that are, are going on. Uh, they really are important to local artists and producers. Court Today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. And we wrap up the programme by talking movies with Mark Malone. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Uh, wrong, wrong fader up. Good afternoon, Mark. Uh, you're very welcome. <laughs> OK, uh, you went along to see Napoleon. Let me take a quick clip from this. Napoleon Bonaparte, the greatest leader in the history of the world. You are just a brute. He's vain, but he's popular. This vermin has routed Europe. You want to be great? I'm not built like other men. But I will win by fire. So looking forward to this movie. I love these big kind of blockbuster historical movies and that's exactly what we have here. Napoleon, exactly. Napoleon yeah, and, Bonaparte. Yeah, and I'm glad to say that it's very, very good too. Um, it's from Ridley Scott who's made kind of historical dramas in the past. Uh, you might remember Gladiator, of course, yeah. which was very, very good. Yeah. Uh, he also made a film a few years ago called Kingdom of Heaven which wasn't so good. That was quite poor and uh, we were all rather disappointed with that, uh, with our Ridley, uh, with that one. But uh, this is much better and um, and I enjoyed it very, very much indeed. I'm glad to be able to say. I should point out uh, it is very long at uh, two and a half hours. But the thing is, is that when I was watching it, I was thinking there's something desperately wrong with this film and I couldn't quite put my finger on it for quite some time. And it did look as if there was a very, very kind of strange pacing problem with it because he seemed to concentrate on cer- certain things for much longer than he should have. And then he kind of skipped over a lot of the battles, a lot of the uh, the more interesting kind of um, um, points of um, Napoleon Bonaparte's uh, career. And I think the reason for that is um, afterwards, uh, Ridley Scott says, well, we had to cut it down from four and a half hours. Oh, and because uh, and that's the film that will be released to Apple TV Plus very soon. So there will be a four and a half hour version. And I think um, I'm, I'm, I have Apple TV Plus and I think I will watch it because I think with more time, because, of course, the story of Napoleon is absolutely yeah. huge. And so um, there were those who said that maybe it would have been better to have it as a TV series because then you'd be able to concentrate on, on all Do of the four, aspects of it. one hour, four or five Exactly, hour rather than episodes, try and yeah. squash it into kind of two and a half hours. And it looked to me as if they did it really, really quickly uh, because uh, there are times when, you know, the, the story jumps when he goes uh, to, um, for example, Elba. For example, um, we don't really see or, or, or know anything about that. When we lead up to the uh, Battle of Waterloo, for example, it all happens really, really quickly. And it's almost as if they were kind of thinking, OK, we want to try and get this film to, to down to two and a half hours. And, and I, I found that kind of very, very frustrating. Aside from that, though, I did find it very, very entertaining. The thing about the film is that Ridley Scott made this in 61 days. I mean, a huge epic like this. I mean, that is really, really quite extraordinary. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, in two months. And he said the reason why and the way he was able to do it is by not having a number of retakes. 
And so basically, and you know, Clint Eastwood has worked that way for a very, very long time. You do a couple of takes, it's fine, move on. And you don't see it on screen, you know what I mean, which just goes to show you. And Stanley Kubrick was terrible for, you know, doing a hundred takes and not telling the actors what he wanted. It was so mm-hmm. frustrating for them. I remember uh, he made a film with Harvey Keitel and he kept saying to Harvey Keitel, do it again, do it again, do it oh. again. And Harvey Keitel went after, I think, the 25th time. He says, look, I can't, I can't work done. with this. I'm done. I'm off. Uh, so, um, so yeah. And the other thing about the, uh, the, the film is one of the reasons why I think it, uh, the, he, he was able to keep the kind of costs down was that there's very little CGI. All of the battle sequences are real. And that's really, really good to see. So if you see a line of, uh, you know, men on horses, they are actually there and, uh, and they're not CGI'd. The, the worst thing, though, and the, the thing that kind of annoyed me, the cinematographer, I think, got it wrong. Because even though the battle sequences are very, very exciting and quite explicit, I think um, he he put this kind of weird blue tint uh, over the screen. It was almost in black and white. It was very, very strange. And because of that, it made it look as if it was CGI'd, really, which was, uh, and it wasn't. You know, which undermined yeah. the whole idea of, yeah. of, uh, of uh, doing it uh, for real. And the other problem with the film, of course, is that uh, historically, and um, it's the, what we see on screen, a lot of didn't, it didn't happen. There are a lot of historical inaccuracies in this film. The film opens with a very explicit scene, actually, with uh, Mary Antoinette when she went to the guillotine. And it shows Napoleon watching the, um, um, the event. He that wasn't didn't there. Happen. That no, didn't no, happen. No. There's a scene, for example, when he's in um, Egypt and he bombs the pyramids. He did not do that. And when questioned about this, Ridley Scott got very, very defensive and uh, very, very sweary, actually. There's, you can see it online, you know what I mean? And he said, look, it's just a movie. You can't really take it seriously. Come on. But in fact... I think it should be historically Well, accurate. especially for somebody like that. Exactly. You know, yeah. Whatever about somebody who maybe you don't know a lot about, but somebody of historical importance like Napoleon. Exactly. It should be true. It should be true. Yeah. And, uh, yes. Yeah. No and, need we, you for know, it. and there's so much paperwork and we have so much historical kind of record uh, about his career as well. And a lot of the film, too, um, tends to concentrate on his really, really volatile relationship uh, with um, Josephine. Uh, he was completely obsessed with her, constantly writing her. And even when she was having affairs, for example, when he was at the battlefield he would forgive her because he was so obsessed by her and that I think it's funny because if you read a lot of the reviews Lots of people loved that part of the film and hated the, the action sequences and wanted more of that. Uh, other people wanted more action sequences and less of the relationship between the two of them. Um, I think as far as the performances are concerned, I think Joaquin, I think, I, I think he does okay. Uh, he did say at one stage to Ridley Scott, look, I don't know where to go with this. I don't know where I am. I don't, I, I, I don't know how to do this. And sometimes he does look lost on screen. But then during the battle sequences, he's very good. Josephine is played by an actress by the name of Vanessa Kirby, and she is brilliant. Okay, mark it out of 10. I'll give it eight. eight it's well worth it. It's very eight. good. I have one time for one movie this week. Thank you for that, Mark. Oh, okay. Have a lovely week. And of course, Mark is back on uh, this afternoon for Martina at four. That's where I leave you. Uh, thanks to John Paul. Nick is with you uh, for the afternoon. Today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.